Welcome once again to Lato's Law. Here's Steve Lato. This video is going to be a little bit longer, but it's a topic I think you'll enjoy hearing about. And here's the situation. It's something everyone's heard of, but many people misunderstand, even attorneys. And so underneath a video of mine not too long ago, somebody cracked a joke about something the Canadian robot lady said at the end of my video. And they said, hey, that's hearsay. That's not admissible. And here's the thing. I realized that not many people know what hearsay is, literally, by the definition. And also, many people don't know that hearsay is actually widely admissible. It just depends on what kind of hearsay it is. So I want to talk about this because I think you'll find it interesting. So you have to understand a couple things. These are all governed by the rules of evidence, what's admissible in court and what hearsay is. They're both defined by the rules of evidence. I'm going to go to the federal rules of evidence. I mentioned not too long ago the federal rules of evidence, the FREs, parallel many state rules of evidence simply because the states copied them. So Michigan's rules of evidence, the MREs, uh, parallel the FREs to the point where FRE402 is quite similar to MRE402. And MRE402, or FRE, is the general admissibility of relevant evidence. So any evidence that's relevant is admissible. That's the key. So is hearsay admissible? Well, We'll have to get there, but at first, just understand that relevant evidence is admissible unless any of the following provides otherwise. The U.S. Constitution, a federal statute, these rules, or other rules prescribed by the Supreme Court. Irrelevant evidence is not admissible. So, if it's relevant, it gets in. If it's irrelevant, it shouldn't. However, it says, referring to these rules. So, hearsay is defined at FRE 801, 801. But it does say definitions that apply to this article and exclusions from hearsay also come up in in section eight, okay? So it talks about statements and declarants. So a statement is something that somebody says, uh, and the declarant is the person who said it. Hearsay is defined as a statement that the declarant does not make while testifying at the current trial or hearing, and a party offers an evidence to prove the truth of the matter asserted. So you often hear the phrase, offered for the truth of the matter asserted, atma, or not offered for the truth of the matter asserted, natma. Those are the little acronyms that we use in law school. So statements that are not hearsay. It actually says there's a bunch of things that are not hearsay, don't even go there, This is not hearsay, such as a declarant witnesses prior statement. So the declarant is testifying and is subject to cross-examination about a prior statement. If the statement is inconsistent with their testimony and is given under penalty of perjury at a trial hearing or other proceeding, is consistent with the declarant's testimony and is offered and explains all this stuff. But if someone is on the stand testifying and a cross-examination, I say, isn't it true that at the preliminary exam... You testify, objection, hearsay. Well, remember, hearsay is defined as statements made by somebody else other than the person testifying. I'm about to ask them about a statement they apparently made under oath themselves, their own statement. Therefore, it is not hearsay. Believe it or not, also not hearsay is an opposing party's statement. So that I've got my witness on the stand and I say, the defendant, were the plaintiffs, the defendant told you something, didn't he? Objection, hearsay. No, it's his own statement or her own statement. And now you might say, but Steve, that's a statement other than the person testifying. But 
they have a specific exception for it here because the thinking is that if they want to deny it or clarify it, they can understand and do that. But it is, like I said, an opposing party's statement. Okay, And there are some rules that's got to be made by the party uh, in the right capacity, manifested in such a way it was adopted to be believed to be true, was made by the person uh, whom the party authorized to make the statement, et cetera, et cetera. But those are not hearsay. Okay, so 802 then says, hearsay is not admissible unless any of the following provide otherwise. Federal statutes, these rules, or other rules prescribed by the court. So hearsay is not admissible unless you meet one of these guideline definition exclusions. And there's a bunch of them, a bunch of them. But I'm going to give you a couple of the obvious ones and the ones that I think are interesting. So for instance, an excited utterance, an excited utterance, a statement relating to a startling event or condition made while the declarant was under the stress of excitement that it caused. So let's suppose that you're sitting at home one day and your phone rings and you pick the phone up and your friend goes, oh my God, you're not going to believe this. I'm watching a plane crash right now. And you can hear the explosion. And for some odd reason, that person can't testify at trial, probably because the plane hit their house. And they put you on the stand and they say, did you receive a phone call that day? Yes, I did. Did you answer the phone call? Yes, I did. What did the person at the other end of the phone tell you? Objection, hearsay. Okay, you are going to testify about something that someone said out of court. They're not here. Um, Well, I got one for you. Excited utterance. A statement relating to a startling event or condition made while the declarant was under the stress of excitement. The person on the phone was witnessing a plane about to crash. It did crash. They were describing it as it crashed. And let's suppose it actually mattered whether or not the person said that. Oh, my God, I'm about to watch a plane crash. I'm watching a plane about to crash. And then you hear the explosion. Okay? And by the way, if they wouldn't allow in the verbal statement, they'd allow in the explosion because that's not a statement. But that's neither here nor there. The point is that's an excited utterance made by somebody that you heard. You can testify that. Statement made for medical diagnosis or treatment. Lance Armstrong needed to know about this one. Because a statement that is made for and pertains to medical diagnosis or treatment and describes medical history, past or present symptoms or sensations, their inception or their general cause, are not hearsay. So let's suppose that you would, uh, were in the Tour de France many times and you won it a few times. And... Um, Later on, it came out that you may have been using some kind of pharmaceuticals that were illegal. And there's an investigation. And during the investigation, a man comes forward and says, I was sitting in a hospital room with Lance Armstrong. I'm sorry. I was sitting in a hospital room with this guy. (laughs) We all know who I'm talking about. Sitting in a hospital room, and a doctor walks in. And the doctor goes, "Uh, Lance, do you want these people to leave? And he goes, no, no, they're friends of mine. Doctor goes, have you ever used any medicines I need to know about, any drugs, pharmaceuticals? And let's suppose that the bicycle rider rattled off a whole list of illegal substances to his doctor. And then later on, you call in these people to testify. They heard him tell his doctor that. That sounds like hearsay. It's another person's statement being used in court, blah, blah, blah. Except that the statements were made for the purpose of medical diagnosis or treatment. And you might say, but Steve, why would that be allowed? Well, keep in mind that the rules of evidence aren't designed just to keep out evidence for no reason. The the purpose is designed to allow relevant evidence to get in that is reliable. 
and to keep out evidence that's unreliable. So hearsay, simply going, I heard someone say such and such, tends to be unreliable. Except there are going to be situations where it makes sense. So when someone's sitting there in a hospital bed, you know, uh, being treated for some kind of grave cancer, and the doctor says, have you ever used any performance-enhancing drugs? Because they might play into your treatment. If the guy goes, yes, I have, and he tells the doctor that, well, the court's going to go, that's probably a true statement. Because who on their deathbed, who on their hospital bed is going to lie to their doctor and say, yes, I used all kinds of illegal drugs? Why, why, would, why would anybody do that? So that does seem to be a little more reliable that that would get in. Another example of something you can almost always get in is public records. Public records. So uh, I'll give you an example. Uh, actually, there's two that are very close to each other, public records and public records of vital statistics. But records that are created by the government, and it's, they're created for a purpose, for an office, and just best examples are birth certificates and death certificates. So somebody passes away. And by the way, remember that statements don't have to be verbal. They can be written. So a piece of paper could be hearsay if it was drafted by somebody other than the person testifying. Could be. Contains hearsay. So if somebody says, do you know when your grandfather passed away? Do you know the date of his passing? And you said, I don't know off the top of my head, but I have a document right here that contains the date. It's his death certificate. Certified death certificate. Objection hearsay. It's not the witness's own statement made by somebody else. We don't know who that person is who signed it. It's signed by some weird official in some county far, far away. Is it a public record of a vital statistic? Yes. Was it created by somebody who's not actually like, you know, invested in this case? Obviously. That's going to be reliable. Okay. Now, could a mistake be made in a birth record, death record? Of course they could. But the point is that the reason it would be reliable or unreliable has got nothing to do with the hearsay nature of it. It has to do with how these people do their jobs. So keep that in mind. But one thing I should also point out, just because it's a funny little distinction, is that the rules on hearsay define two kinds of hearsay. The kind that gets in whether or not the declarant is available as a witness. So in other words, I bring in a piece of evidence and I say, I want this to get into evidence, some of objection hearsay. Well, one thing the court will immediately look at is, is the person who made that statement theoretically available or not? Because if they are available, it might not be admissible. But believe it or not, there are certain kinds that are pretty much only available to be admissible if the declarant is unavailable, meaning the witness is not around. This person's gone. Can't find them. They're dead. All kinds of things. So this is 804. Hearsay exceptions, declarant unavailable. A declarant is considered to be unavailable as a witness if the declarant, for example, is exempted from testifying about the subject matter because the court rules say a privilege applies. So you call someone to testify, and they take the fifth. And the court says, yeah, they can do that. Well, prior statements they made might get be admissible. Might be, might be. But you can't force them to testify now, but you can use their old statements. Two, if they refuse to testify despite a court order. So they take the fifth, judge goes, fifth doesn't apply to you. Too bad, I'm not going to testify. I'll go to court. Uh, I'll go to jail. I don't care. Uh, if the witness testifies to not remembering the subject matter, Bring them into court, they take the fifth, no. Refuse to testify, they go, final testify. Tell us what you, what you told them. Don't remember. Oh, well, we've got a copy of it right here. <laughs> uh, also, they can't attend the hearing because of death. That is an excuse that most courts will accept most of the time. 
uh, and they're, or they're absent from the trial or hearing, uh, despite the fact that they've made reasonable attempts to secure their uh, testimony through process. So if the declarant is unavailable, these things can get in, for instance, former testimony, former testimony. So a person is not available to testify, but they testified at a previous hearing, and that happens. And I'll give you a great example of that is, is they testified at a preliminary exam, and then they died. That testimony can probably get in because it's an unavailable declarant because they've, de- they've died, and uh, they gave former testimony. Now, I will have to tell you that the testimony they gave has to be given in the proper setting such that it was given as a witness at a trial, hearing, or lawful deposition, whether or not it's this proceeding or not, and is now offered against a party who had an opportunity and similar motive to develop it by direct cross or redirect examination. So obviously, if it's the exact same case by the exact same things, it's going to get in, most likely. But if it's an unrelated case and the issues were different, the other side can get them and say, Your Honor, we wouldn't be able to do, like, we couldn't cross-examine them on that at the time because no one knew it was going to go over here. And now, if we'd been there, we would have handled this all differently. So it's unfair to let that in. But former testimony given at a trial hearing or lawful deposition during the current proceeding or a different one, so long as the party against whom it is offered had an opportunity in some remote to develop it by direct cross or redirect examination. And the final one I want to point out, and this is the one that I think is really important, statement against interest. Statement against interest. Where a person says something that they normally wouldn't say unless it was true. Okay? So uh, I'll give you an example of that. Um, somebody walks into the room and um, goes, hey, $1,000 is missing from the till out front. And your coworker puts her head down and goes, yeah, I stole it. I stole it. Sorry. I needed the money. I stole it. So that person's not available to testify at trial, but they did say, I stole it. Sorry, what can I tell you? And that's not the kind of thing the average person would say if it were true. So a statement against interest is a reasonable person in the declarant's position would have made that statement only if the person believed it to be true because when made, it was so contrary to the declarant's proprietary or pecuniary interest or had so great a tendency to uh, invalidate the declarant's claim against someone else or to expose the declarant to civil or criminal liability uh, and is supported by corroborating circumstances that clearly indicate its trustworthiness if it is offered in a criminal case. Uh, So that's going to hinge on whether it's criminal, civil, and what the person said. But I can tell you that in law school, on the exams and on the bar exam, they would routinely give you a fact pattern and say, here's the discussions that happened, here's what allegedly happened with the crime. Now in court, they want to introduce this statement by this person, is this admissible? And what they would often do is have a party make a statement against their own interest and then also have it in the form of an admission and then say, discuss. And a lot of people would spot it immediately go, oh, that's an admission, it's not hearsay. Or they go, oh, that's a statement against interest. Therefore, we get, boom, we got, there can be more than one exception applying to the same statement. And you have to somehow process all of this. Because a judge might say, well, I don't see it as a statement against interest. Yeah, but it's their own statement. Oh, it's an admission then. It's not even hearsay. You got to know that. And then finally, I need to add the final thought, because a lot of people have made it this far and go, Steve, I don't care what you say. 
Some guy comes into court, sits in the stand and goes, yeah, I walked into the room and the guy who's not here said, yeah, I stole the money. Doesn't prove anything. It's his word against somebody else's and they're not even here. That's a declarant unavailable. They're not even here. You don't have to believe it if you're on the jury. What we're talking here is about admissibility versus weight. Weight. Weight as in W-E-I-G-H-T or the song by the band. The weight. Okay? What we're talking about here is whether something gets into evidence. Okay? The fact that it is in evidence, it is then handed to the jury and the jury is told, it is up to you to decide whether you believe this or not. I've seen witnesses get on the stand where you can picture the jury almost plugging their ears going, la, 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 because they know this person's lying. But it doesn't matter if they still get it in through some exception to the hearsay rule. So again, to start from the top, what defines evidence getting in is, is it relevant? If it's irrelevant, it's get, you know, it can get in. If it's irrelevant, it's not supposed to get in. Then understand that not all statements are hearsay, even if it looks like one, because it has to be something being offered to prove the truth of the matter asserted and a statement made by somebody who's not the person testifying in court. However, some statements that look like that aren't hearsay by definition because they're admissions. And then if a statement is hearsay, it still might be admissible depending on whether or not the declarant is available or not to testify. I know it gets quite confusing, but the real takeaway here is, number one, relevance defines what gets into court as evidence. And then number two, statements aren't always hearsay, but when they are, they often are admissible. And then despite all the admissibility issues, they still might not have the weight to sway the jury. So yes, I got all of that from one short sentence written in response to the comment under a video for which I greatly appreciate you asking, but quite frankly, I forgot who posted that. So thank you very much. I'll talk to you later. Bye-bye. Thank you for watching Lato's Law. Of all the paths you take in life, make sure a few of them are dirt.